When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's the Fightful MMA Holy Smokes podcast with Showdown Joe and Sean Ross Sapp. Joe, we are live. What's up, everybody? September 12th edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro. Give me a follow online at Showdown Joe. My co-host, as always, at Sean Ross Sapp. Sean, what's going on, my man? I'm about to head out for vacation tomorrow, Joe. A well-deserved vacation. But before you leave, you and I have tons to discuss, as well as with everybody on the live chat. Top right of your screen if you're on the YouTube site. Uh, Sean, UFC 215 followed. Still some stuff to discuss there. We will preview the UFC Pittsburgh show. Um, I think you're going to have some conversation or some thoughts or some a little diatribe on, on the transition potentially of Ronda Rousey to WWE. Uh, Jeremy Stevens, after his performance against Gilbert Melendez, wants to fight Jose Aldo. Just not yet. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, a nice piece written by Sean, ladies and gentlemen. Should Ray Borg be out of chances? I actually read it uh, about half an hour ago. Fantastic read. Uh, uh, do you guys know that Muddy Mouse may not be getting paid for not competing on Saturday? We'll discuss that a little bit later. Uh, did the UFC punish Raging Cajun Johnson for his placement uh, on last Saturday's show? We'll discuss that as well. Uh, Tyron Woodley is basically laughing at Rafael Dos Anjos. I don't think that's a good idea. We'll discuss that for sure. And we'll be joined uh, by Luke Bernardi, an expert in performance-enhancing drugs, supplementation, nutrition, and training uh, for bodybuilders and professional mixed martial artists. He will give his take uh, on the whole John Jones scenario, what he thought uh, when it all went down. And so much more to discuss here uh, on this week's edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. Uh, Sean, you're fixing your hair there. Everything's good? There's no fixing it, Joe. It does what it wants to do. Yeah, UFC. What is, what, is, what is the end result here with his hair? I don't know. I gotta have a reason. I gotta answer to you. I gotta answer to a bald guy. What I'm doing with my hair? Absolutely. Uh huh. I see. I see. <laughs> yeah, this, so, this UFC 215 show. It it's one of those shows that, like, if if you were to, nobody's ordering the replay of this show, Joe. <laughs> Needless to say. Nobody's ordering the, the, the replay. Replay the show. The, the event, the main event was underwhelming. The original main event didn't happen. Perhaps the fight most were excited about from an in-ring action perspective. Dos, An- Dos Santos and, and Ganu didn't happen. It yeah. lost a lot, Joe. It hurt. 
Yeah, and and Gano basically uh, he doesn't know if if Junior DeSantos is guilty or he's not guilty. He came out and basically said that you know what, I just don't take supplements. I don't want to have that sort of asterisk or tarnish on my or a blemish on my career. So I'm just not going to take anything, which is extremely odd for for most professional athletes in general because supplementation, if done correctly, uh, is fantastic. I mean, it, it it allows you to recover. It's when you start using the illegal stuff uh, that that's not the greatest. Yeah. You got to be careful too, and like I said, the the real difference this year from John Jones, who we'll hear about later from uh, Bernardi, was the fact that he had to disclose everything that he was taking before. Like he didn't have to do that last year, so he had a little more leeway. He had that oh, the, my friend gave it to me type of thing. The Junior Dos Santos thing, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. If it's really just a diuretic, I'm like, oh man, that. Especially for a heavyweight like that, like yeah. that's that's what you're popping him for. Now I I gotta learn a little bit more about that situation, but it, it's unfortunate because Ngano should have got a title shot anyway. And I did have somebody say, "Well, beating Andre Arlovsky shouldn't get you a title shot." Well, that's it's the UFC heavyweight division, and Cain Velasquez says he doesn't want to fight until next year. Shocker, but. Uh, <laughs> Poor guy's got he got back surgery, so I I kind of understand it. But yeah, it's frustrating not seeing Cain Velasquez compete because he was the whole could have been, should have been greatest of all time heavyweight. Not gonna happen. Yeah, but when when you haven't fought for a year and a half, you, your first fight shouldn't be actually your first fight in two and a half year, your second fight in two and a half years at that point shouldn't be a heavyweight title shot. When you've won one fight, it would if it's 2018 and you've got one win since 2013. You shouldn't be getting a title shot. You're absolutely correct. Did you find it odd that part of the promotional tour uh, at UFC 215 included Stipe Miocic and Cain Velasquez? I thought it was hilarious that Stipe said that he would fight Demetrius Johnson on short notice. I think that would be a good fight for him, don't you think? I would watch a sparring (laughs) exhibition, a friendly sparring exhibition between those two. Do you remember how much fun Aoki and Fedor was? Yeah. That was a blast. I would watch that. And until Stipe actually lands that one shot, if he can land that one shot, never well, mind. wouldn't he wouldn't be trying to land? No, he'd of course be, not. But still, he'd be front kicking him and stuff. Uh, Robbie Fox of Barstool Sports sent me a gif of Stipe Miocic kicking him, and he went like all the way across the cage. He <sighs> said it'd probably be something like this. Yeah, you don't want to be kicked by Stipe. Oh my god, or Al, or else, or any heavyweight whatsoever. Uh, Czech Congo used to kick people, and so did uh, Pat Berry. Uh, randomly while we were doing interviews, Pat hit me once with a kick, and I'm, I'm, it was probably 10%, so it didn't hurt that bad. I mean, I felt it, but if I saw Pat Berry winding up, I'd be running so fast. So that was that was just Berry at the time. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, I, some of the fallout continues from the show here. Um, I don't know if uh, many people know, but Kyle Cardinal, who was the referee in the Rick Glenn-Gavin Tucker fight, was pulled from the show. I after agree with that. Fight. I agree with that call. You know, um, I know Kyle. Uh, I know him to be a good guy. I, I don't know what what mentally he was thinking. Perhaps he did see what he may have believed was Gavin Tucker's trying to fight back. But by far, the amount of punishment that Rick Glenn was putting on Gavin Tucker was more than enough to say, "Okay, you know what? You, you just uh, it, it, the odds of you coming back aren't going to happen. Let's just call this fight." Yeah, and that's what should have happened because. Like like I said before, a 30-24 scorecard shouldn't exist. That shouldn't happen because if a 30-24 scorecard is there, then the ref probably should have stepped in at some point. 
you're bang on. You're absolutely. There, there are very maybe a few rare, very very rare exceptions. Like you know, say Dan Henderson's fighting Michael Bisping, hypothetical fight, and Michael Bisping beats the piss out of him, and then Henderson each round lands a shot that knocks down Bisping, but still the ass kicking was so bad that it was a ten eight. You know maybe, but Gavin Tucker never showed that he was still in this fight. Like it was just bad. It was rough. And I applaud whoever made the decision to to pull the uh, pull Cardinal. And you know, you say he's a good guy. As we found out, being a good or a bad person doesn't necessarily correlate to skill. By all indications, John Jones isn't the greatest guy, but he may be the greatest fighter that we've ever seen. And uh, Roxanne Modafferi a few years ago, probably the best person ever to be involved in mixed martial arts. And she looked like she had never fought a day in her life at times. And obviously that's changed, but unfortunately that's not what it hinges on. It'd be a lot it'd be a lot more fun, a lot a lot nicer to cover if it were. What's your take on Tyron Woodley laughing off Rafael Dos Anjos, especially after that performance at you know, at three minutes forty three seconds into the first round, Rafael disposes of Neil Magny, uh, who's got some skills, who had reach um, and just got owned on the ground, got submitted. Uh, and then, you know, Rafael, from day one since entering the welterweight division, has said, I'm coming for you, Tyron Woodley. And step by step, uh, he's being his own little mystic Mac and, and proving it. And now Tyron is laughing him off. You think it's Tyron laughing him off because he's not afraid of him. I mean, I doubt he's afraid of him, but it's just like it's not really a money fight. Yeah, but there aren't many there. I, I would take one with a former UFC champion over really probably the other options except for Nick Diaz. But Nick Diaz ain't coming back. We know he, he's he's not. He he will eventually, but not right now. He still owes uh, Nevada some money, I think. Dos Anjos, what I didn't like is he said he was willing to wait. And I'm like, hold up, playboy. You've won two fights in this division. Two fights in the division, and before that you came off of two losses. Just fight somebody. Just fight somebody. Woodley's out for a while. He's out till next year. Woodley, despite the quality of some of his fights, did fight those fights and fought a lot of fights in a very short period of time. And for that, he deserves a break. Like when usually when a guy is like, Oh, I'm not fighting from July until like February, March, I'm like, uh, I don't know about that. But when you're Tyron Woodley and and he had one of those extended breaks before between February and June of 2016. But July fought Robbie Lawler. November fought Stephen Thompson. March fought Stephen Thompson. Uh, J- or July fought Damian Maya again. So he put in the work that came with winning that welterweight championship. Whether it made for the best fights, I, I don't know. It, well, actually, I do know it didn't. <laughs> but yeah, it was... I, I think that Dos Anjos should be next in line, but he should keep fighting too. Absolutely. I don't think the activity of, of uh, Tyron Woodley is an indicator of his poor performances. I think it's a decision of how he decided to fight in those fights is an indication of his poor performances. Uh, and I think you know we don't always agree with Dana White. There are times when Dana, Dana White is actually right. And when he said that when the fans are booing you as you leave the octagon, that's not good. That's and I, not heard good the guy, I heard the guy at the – presser after Woodley's fight trying to make it like oh maybe you all have a Mayweather here maybe you all have a Mayweather here like basically acting as Woodley's press agent and Dana White's like no it doesn't work like that here man like people people don't pay 
to see boring fights here. That's just not the way it works. The closest you can have, the closest you can compare is GSP because his fights very frequently weren't entertaining. But it wasn't because people hated him that people were buying the shows. He was like revered and loved and adored by so many. That's why people were buying the shows. Like they, a lot of people just liked him so much, and he was one of the few that where his skill transcended whatever barriers of entertainment there were because people knew how good he was and were still paying for it. Because he wasn't like a very overly charismatic guy. Tyron Woodley can be at times. He can be that. He, I mean, he's he's crossed over into movies. He was in Straight Outta Compton, stuff like that. Yep. But, but I mean, there. I think he could be that. Unfortunately, he he does have a few things going against him. His age isn't going to help. You know, he's like thirty five already. That's a bummer for him because if this were, if he were five years younger, oh my god, I would I would strap the rocket ship to him. Ultimately, it's something that that I saw Mark Ramondi and. Uh, Gosh, I wish I could remember. Patrick Wyman talking about this this week. The UFC has facilitated a situation where champions only have the incentive to remain champions. They don't have the incentive necessarily to go out and make exciting fights. They don't have the incentive to go out and knock somebody out. I'll give you a funny comparison, Joe. Pro wrestling, WWE, is in this funny situation right now. 20 years ago, Vince McMahon wanted his wrestlers to be portrayed as having like a job like they were a repo man or a mountie or a cop oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. that doesn't happen now the reason why that doesn't happen now is because vince mcmahon wants his guys as portrayed as being above worrying about money well when you are being portrayed as a fighter a prize fighter who does this for a living and you're not concerned about money that takes a lot of stakes out of things especially when you're winning, losing, winning, losing, winning, losing. In the UFC, money is what matters. Some people it's legacy, but it's largely about money. But when it's almost a reverse effect, Joe, the UFC takes the stakes out of making good matches. Meanwhile, you got guys on Monday Night Raw, Roman Reigns and John Cena are saying, well, I had a better match than you. Why should they give a shit if they had a better match than anybody in a real perspective, like from Tyron Woodley's perspective. He doesn't give a shit if he had a good fight. He gives a shit if he won that fight. So it's so funny how pro wrestling should be taking what MMA's doing and employing it, and UFC should be taking what pro wrestling is using and employing that. Like, for as much as they've taken from each other, they could really stand to learn from this situation in particular, I think. Because Tyron Woodley has no true incentive to go in there and knock a guy out in the first round. What, a $50,000 bonus? Okay, sure, man. Well, he gets he's getting like 20000 chopped off of his Reebok payout if he loses that title right off the top. Yep, no, you're bang on. You're bang on. It goes back to the old adage that I shared with you guys way back when about you know the, the conversation I had with George when he was the champ, um, you know, and, and just talking about the difference between being a champion in the UFC and being a challenger and being a contender, and the difference and the difficulty in defending the title at times. When George was a champion, he would always say, "It's it's scary because you're fighting against a guy who potentially realizes this is the only opportunity he's ever going to get." To become a world champion. He has to win this fight. So he's willing to die in there. He's willing to do anything and everything to defeat me. 
all I have to do is win three rounds. Yeah. That's all I have to do. Protect myself, be defensive, and win three rounds. I don't have to become the champion. I am the champion. So I look at it in a different way. I'm not going to take risks because if I risk it all, I lose the title. All yeah. I have to do is play defensive, be smart, attack when I need to attack. Win. So the whole breakdown, We uh, George and I actually got down to the specifics. And there was uh, two other people that were there in the conversation. And we got down to the specifics. Um, it's not just three rounds out of five. You have to break down the round. There's five minutes in a round. You got to win three minutes of the or three minutes of those five minutes, and within that minute, you've got to win 40 seconds of that 60 seconds. So you're always looking at the numbers. Uh, I actually ended up having a conversation with Johnny Hendricks back in the day when he was defending against Robbie Lawler, and they were talking about how Robbie Lawler had this tendency uh, to be very explosive in the beginning of a round, coast in the middle of the round, and then pick it up at the end of the round. So in the judge's eyes, and it's a genius move, it's a genius analogy by, by um, Hendricks in his camp, as well as, if it's true, the way Robbie Lawler uh, would play tricks with the judges. So you go into the, the round starts, Sean, you come out explosive, land a bunch of punches, now the judge is thinking, okay, what is your opponent going to do to start chipping away at that big lead you supposedly have in the round. And if you've done just about enough while Robbie's coasting and relaxing and just waiting and bobbing and weaving and just throwing a couple shots, did that opponent get close enough to start taking that momentum away? And then Robbie comes back and just, you know, for the last minute or so, goes off and goes crazy and wins it out. That's just psychology. Minute, minutes one, three, and five. If I had to do it, that's, that's how I, that's how I do it. Because you have something in the judges' minds saying he started strong, he was strong in the middle, he finished strong. It's, it's a weird situation. There were a lot of weird things at UFC 215 in particular. Uh, Gilbert Melendez's corner keeping him from quitting. You don't like that. I don't like that, man. If a guy wants out, he wants out. Now, did, did he really, really, really want out? It, it's hard to say because he's Gilbert Melendez and he's tough as nails. But here's the thing. Like, Melendez said, I think I'm done. Yep. He should have been done. He should have been done. Um, and his cornerman said, hey, you got five minutes. You can do any effing thing for five minutes. I see his leg that, that Carrie Melendez posted, his wife posted. I don't know if that was a good call. I, actually, picture, I know yeah. it wasn't a good call. It was a stupid call. It was a stupid call. Why? You know why, Joe. You know why for I'm those, stupid. For those that don't know, maybe or his don't leg understand. will never be the same. For all we yeah. know, he yeah. may never be able. He might be walking like a dumbass for the rest of his life. For all we know, it was gross. It was, it was yeah. It, the, the, the irony about all that is, you know, did you ever think Jeremy Stevens had a kicking game? Well, no, but it's against Gilbert Melendez, and it's against post-USADA Gilbert Melendez. So if you were to ask me, would he, could he develop one then, I would say yeah. Yeah, it, it's just that Gilbert's stance you know, was always susceptible to lay kicks. But um, I'm sure if he could go back, he would probably re, uh, rethink his stance. But it is what it is. Um, anything else you want to talk about um, regarding UFC 215 because we, we, we recapped it on Saturday night we talked about the main event uh, we talked and we know Shevchenko is still going off she's just not happy with that decision but perhaps rightfully so yeah. Henry Cejudo is a bad bad man I still want Henry uh, to take on 
uh, Sergio Pettis. I don't think he deserves a title shot yet. He he actually made a clear shot. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I, maybe another fight. And, and I think that there. Or should Pettis step in now and, and get that title shot versus Johnson? But we don't know if Johnson is even getting paid for not competing against Borg. So there's a little bit of a sort of some chess pieces that are moving around at the top of this division. I think Ray Borg should fight Ben Wynn. I think Anthony Pettis should probably fight Demetrius Johnson. Henry Cejudo, you can put him up against anybody. Just get him ready. Just get him ready because he looked great, man. He looked awesome. Put him up against anybody. Throw McCall in there with him. McCall, you want to fight? If you can make it, we'll give you uh, Cejudo. Just, you know, that fight won't happen because McCall fights don't happen. But Poor guy. <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but let me. I, mean, I want to ask you two questions about the UFC matchmaking uh, in a moment or so. Um, the fact that Demetrius Johnson hasn't been paid—he was told to stop cutting weight because in order to get your your show bonus or your show money, excuse me, you've got to make weight—and Demetrius was told to stop cutting weight, and he wants to know how am I to get my money? I want to yeah. get paid. His quote, I believe, was, "I want to get my black ass to the bank and take my kids to school." So, <laughs> end quote. If that was the quote. If I were but, him, I'd, I would have said. Cool, line up Hayes or Cejudo. You're paying me. So, that leads me to another question for you. Uh, sorry, so you're, you're, you're basically saying Ray Borg should fight Ben Wynn. Demetrius is basically saying they may be rescheduling this fight very, very soon. You and I were talking about UFC 216, um, October 7th, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that I could understand if you didn't pay Demetrius Johnson. Let's yeah. just do. We're not going to pay you right now. Cut, stop cutting weight. We're going to move this fight to October seventh. Get somebody okay? ready. Get somebody ready for it. Right? Um, would you be okay with Ray Borg competing against Demetrius Johnson uh, at UFC two sixteen? Yeah, I would. I, I don't have a problem with it because you got four other flyweights on that show. And worst case scenario, one of them, or you know, Ray Borg doesn't come to fight and. You've got uh, four other guys. Now, they're not big names. I mean, Moraga's fought Mighty Mouse before, but he's, he's won like one of his last four fights. You have Marco Beltran, who doesn't hasn't won in a while. You got Matt Schnell, who, you know, pretty much, brand, I think he's pretty uh, new to the UFC, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. But you've got a few guys that at least worst case scenario, you can say, hey, guys, be ready because... If Borg's not, you're the lamb that's going out to get slaughtered. Okay, so going back to the to the question I wanted to ask you, uh, and for the faithful, fightful listeners that were, have been listening to this podcast, the fightful, one, faithful. Jimmy wanted me to call our readers and viewers that when we launched. Then that must have been weird. Okay, that was cool. Um, <laughs> Even before the Holy Smokes podcast came to you on Tuesdays, um, when we had the other podcast previous to this, you and I had discussed that numerous times, just a weird sort of why doesn't the UFC do this? And technically they did do this, which was to have Henry Cejudo and Wilson Hayes on the same card as Demetrius Johnson, Ray Borg. Would it not have made more sense to save the main event – and I know Wilson Hayes and, 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 and Henry Cejudo could have probably said, no, not doing it, didn't train for him. But to save the main event, they do it because there's a title shot. Well, kid yourself. You're stupid if you didn't. But to save the main event by having other guys on there. It could be a flyweight main event. It could be a lightweight main event. It could be a heavyweight main event. But to have guys underneath there 
to be ready to say, you know what, we got a problem in the main event, we got a problem in the co-main event, we need to save the show. Are you willing to step in and get your title shot tonight, tomorrow night, Saturday night? So, like, it's funny, I'm going to make another pro wrestling comparison because this fits right in and why it didn't work for UFC 215. The, the May Young Classic Finals are tonight in WWE. Shayna Baszler, who has been training catch wrestling for over a decade, I'll get to that in the Ronda Rousey thing, is working an angle against the WWE Four Horsewomen, which is Bayley, Ric Flair's daughter Charlotte, Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks. And she is joined by Jessamyn Duke, Marina Shafir, Ronda Rousey. I saw somebody who... I respect their work, but they, they negated the idea that Baszler, Duke, Shafir, and Ronda Rousey should be there. Because Ronda Rousey got beat up in her last two fights. He called Duke and Baszler UFC jobbers and said Shafir never got there. And I'm sitting there looking and I'm thinking, well, okay, what, what if Bailey and Charlotte and Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks took MMA fights? How would that go? <laughs> How would that go? And I realized, and it's it, we saw this sometimes when Brock Lesnar came in at first. They were like, well, he's only here because Alistair Overeem beat him up and because Cain Velasquez beat him up. In, in some minds, the absence of experience is better than a bad experience. And that's what you had when you had Cejudo and Hayes at UFC 215. Two guys who had really poor experiences against Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. On this UFC 216 show, you've got one guy who had a bad experience and three guys who should, don't belong anywhere near Mighty Mouse Johnson but don't have those poor experiences against him. I, I, you know, Sometimes I think that's weird, but I understand from a resume perspective like uh, where that, that comes from because you don't want to beat the same guy over and over and over again. You don't want to be Jacare Chris Camozzi. What, what did that do for, for Jacare? It didn't do anything. Kept him active. Uh, Ole, Sammy Ole, I see your, your question. We'll answer that when we talk the Rousey thing. But uh, sometimes you see that. The absence of experience being put over a a, a bad experience. And I, I think that was the case for UFC 215. The UFC probably took a look and they were like, man, do we really want to do this? How can we sell that? Is it is it worth it? And, and in them thinking it wasn't worth it, I think they also thought they could get away with not paying Mighty Mouse Johnson, but he's got Malky Kawa as his manager, so he's getting some money somehow. Some way, somehow. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. Uh, I just look at it, I, I, and I hearken back to that UFC welterweight show in Montreal way back when, where there was a whole bunch of welterweights on that card, uh, and if the proverbial shit hit the fan, they were ready. They were ready. It's just that they stopped doing that now. So I understand uh, what you're saying. I just think, I mean... I don't want to give away a little secret that I had put together that I had pitched to uh, to UFC Canada and, and, and to, to Dana White back in the day uh, of a system that would generate all kinds of I'm, – I'm, I'm, pardon the bias uh, – Canadian champions and fighters that could get to the UFC. And it was a system that um, – I mean Tom Wright was the wrong guy to pitch it to, let's be honest, looking back now. Even when I was pitching it to him, he just couldn't understand where I was going with it. Um, I didn't get to Joe Silva uh, or even Sean Shelby at the time, but it was a system that would basically save as many cards as you could possibly can because of injury – and you just never know what can happen. Uh, it was a tournament format. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Sean, I live in the in the province of Ontario, where putting on MMA events is a, is a losing cause. So, yeah. or a financially losing cause. So I I can't do it. And People you're not even allowed me. to put on grappling events there anymore. 
Yeah, people ask me all the time, why aren't you back into promoting MMA? You used to do it back in the day with UCC, TKO, and Apex. And I'm like, I live in a province where it's going to cost me – I'm going to lose money every time I put on the show. I, I, I don't have that type of money to lose where I could then gain it from somewhere else. It's just not going to happen. But there is a system out there that could put on these events. Um, it's just mathematical, and it could save these main events. I just – Hey, look at UFC 146. That was supposed to have Dos Santos versus Overeem. He got popped that they had an all-heavyweight card. They had Cain Velazquez, Antonio Silva, Frank Mir, Roy Nelson, Stephen Miocic, Stefan Struve just on deck, ready to go. If if you have a main event, which you know the UFC loves to double up these main events, and it's smart to double up main events in case something like this happens, but you should always have, I think on those fight pass prelims, a minimum of one other fight featuring a contender, or not even a contender, a top 10 name that you could just easily slide in if something like that happens. Just slide them right in. Yep, bang on, bang on. Uh, Le Comité said, don't do it, showdown. Uh, junior needs a college education, referring to my son. So yes, correct. I'm not going to sit there. Uh, I'm pretty sure Sean Ross Sapp uh, and Jimmy Van would probably come to my house and punch me in my face if I decided to become an MMA promoter in this province. Anywhere fun, else, I could, I would do it. Fun fact, uh, you know, Hurricane Irma hit Orlando this weekend, and that's where Kara and I, my wife and I, are going on vacation. And I told her, I was like, hey, if for some reason it got real bad, I was like, we're just going to Toronto for the weekend. I yes. Like, a, I was like, that's what we're doing. After the time we had last time, I was like, you know – I hate that she wouldn't be able to, to fulfill one of her, her dreams. She wants to go to Universal and stuff like that. But I don't blame her. We we had so much fun. In, uh, Has she been in talking Toronto. to my wife? Because my wife is all over me about Universal and Disneyland. Well, What's listen, up? Listen to the situation I was in, man. We get in, <laughs> and it's raining every day. Like Jimmy Van was like, hey, I can get you tickets to Gatorland or whatever it is. And I was like, hell yeah, Gatorland. It's raining every day we're there. Oh, so we're going to Universal, and I get there literally 12 hours after WWE films in Orlando. So I'm like, really? Like, it, like the luck just... And then while I'm there, Joe, the Bengals play on a Thursday. Not Sunday. Not Sunday. Oh, yeah. After I scheduled this, they announced Triple G Canelo for that Saturday. Because I planned this because I looked ahead on the schedule and I said, oh, no, UFC. Oh, no, no boxing. No WWE. Yeah. Yeah, they, they announced all that. All that running together. Uh, also announced recently was John Jones failing that drug test. Now, we're still very much it, – it's a hazy situation. But, Joe, you spoke to somebody about this, and we're going to see the first portion of this discussion. Uh, give us a little background here. Uh, Luke Bernardi uh, is a is the owner of Amp Nutrition. Uh, he's got a wonderful store. Uh, I would say on the other side of the of the Greater Toronto area from where I live. Uh, he's been around the game for for quite some time. He's very educated. Um, was involved in the in the mixed martial arts world, uh, but then decided to take his career more over to the uh, to the fitness and the bodybuilding side. And over the years, has really seen uh, and heard and read and studied and and basically dissected performance enhancing drugs. Uh, over-the-counter supplements, what it does to the human body, uh, and then I asked them, you know, flat out, I was like, dude, I, 
with this whole John Jones thing, what went through your mind? And it was, I was blown away by his original response. And I said, is there any chance you can come on the Holy Smokes podcast uh, to discuss this with me? Uh, and he's like, yeah, I got no problem doing it. So had a conversation with him. And here we go. I, I, I always look for the good in people, even though they have a track record uh, of doing bad things. I mean, I've been lambasted at people saying, Joe, no, th- th- this guy's guilty until proven innocent. He's not innocent guilty um i thought to myself you know what luke why would he take something after the weigh-in when he knows he's going to be tested shortly after within 24 hours and i i mean i'm still at a loss for words here what about you so yes and no because i know there are things that professional athletes use that uh, are in and out of your system very quick and they can give you that competitive advantage so that's what ran through my mind i'm like well I know what he's using. And sure enough, when after a few days came out and they said what they suspected they found, um, it came to no surprise to me. It was the uh, the drug um, called Tyrannibal, uh, which is also also known as T-Ball. Um, and right away, that when that went off, I was like, yep, as a shock to me, because that specific compound has a very short Half-life, half-life meaning the time it takes for half of the drug to be out of your system. Uh, so Tyrannibal or T-Ball has a half-life of about four to six hours. So after four to six hours, half of it's out, which after about eight to 12 hours, it's all out. So that's where you would think a guy like that might try to use something like that to a competitive advantage. Okay, that's very strange. So he could take something after the weigh-in, and we'll say the weigh-ins are first thing in the morning. I think the latest is 11 o'clock local time of the event. Um, He could take something. Will it be like so? So the drug that you just mentioned, uh, or the performance that you just mentioned, if he was to take that, when could he peak to use that and then have it out of his system? You say within you know four to six hours to 12 hours, he would want to maximize the benefit, hypothetically speaking, of course, but maximize the yes. benefit of taking that so that when he fights Daniel Cormier, it's running through his system at peak levels, no? Yes. Yes, that's what you would want to do. I mean, depending on the dosage he would take, though, he would have a higher dosage in his body after the four to six hours, right? So if you're just using it one time kind of spurt like that, you might take a pretty high dose of something like that um, with the goal being after four to six hours, half of it's still in your system, taking a high dose, you're still going to have a pretty effective dose in your system. Now, in, in some of the things John's been doing uh, in the past, uh, you, you take a look. I mean, there was—I think I was seeing some stuff on his Instagram or, or some pictures of him, like deadlifting crazy weight. Um, you know, he got the nickname Bones from his brother because his legs are so skinny. Yeah, this guy's deadlifting crazy weight. Now he's, a, he's yeah. also a big guy. He's a tall guy. So you know, I, I, you would think gravity's not on his side, but he's probably strong as as you know you can possibly imagine. When you start seeing something like that and where he was doing all of this, what goes through your mind? That's when uh, that actually was going on. I think that was actually for in the previous years before he uh, had got kind of busted there. And right away, that starts going. Uh, what starts running through your mind is uh, what's he using? Because that's not something you see. You don't see, uh, say, an MMA fighter training with weights and deadlifting the weights that some power lifters are lifting and stuff like that, right? It's totally different. Myself, I've coached uh, an MMA fighter before who actually transitioned into the bodybuilding world and 
at first he wasn't very strong and then he started getting pretty strong uh, with those weights, but it's not something you're used to, right? It's totally different. Uh, you're working totally different energy system there anaerobic versus an aerobic system. So yeah, it starts ringing bells. What's he using? Right. And he uh, is, I know he is sponsored by a, a top supplement company in the industry that sponsors some of the Mr. Olympia bodybuilders. And I know he was training with those guys. So does get things running through your mind you see a guy uh all of a sudden lifting crazy weight off the ground right absolutely um it's funny because in behind you are all kinds of over-the-counter supplements uh the, the one argument that people were coming up with you know th this is probably a tainted supplement what do you make of that argument yeah well that's a huge argument in all sports and really it's usually um in my opinion to just cover the athlete's ass um because at the end of the day most athletes, I mean, you get into hockey, any sport like that, the only supplements they're using are NSF certified, which means they're uh, sports certified, banned substance free, they're tested. Um, really, what goes through my mind that would have happened was not a tainted supplement, but a tainted drug. And the reason being um, the compound um, or the drug, Teranibal, it's not made by pharmaceutical companies at all. Um, you could buy testosterone that's made by a pharmaceutical company or an underground lab, but Teranobol is strictly made by underground labs. No pharmacy makes it. They don't use it in healthcare or medical at all. So what happens is when you get into these underground labs, you never know what you're actually getting. So oftentimes um, you might actually get a supplement that's been tainted with a different or a drug that's been tainted with another drug. Um, to give it either more profound effects or to actually lower the cost of it because certain drugs are cheaper to make than other ones, right? So that's what starts running through my mind is maybe uh, he thought he was getting something like Teranobol and ended up getting something with a longer half-life. Enlightening, and there's more where that came from on next week's Holy Smokes MMA podcast. Programming note, guys, usually we would be doing a show uh, after UFC Pittsburgh, but because I'll be out of town... Uh, I'm not leaving Joe by himself because Carlos Toro has to cover Triple G Canelo by himself. So you'll get a Triple G Canelo post show, and then Tuesday on the Holy Smokes MMA podcast, we will recap UFC Pittsburgh in depth. I don't want to come on the air and start talking about some stuff that I don't know about. So basically, story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> What's your take thus far on what uh, Mr. Bernardi stated? He knows a lot more about it than I do. That's my take. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how I feel. Um, yeah, man. It's – you start to wonder. I used to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Now I, now I don't give anybody the benefit of the doubt, Joe. And yeah, so I, you know, in life in general, uh, people when they're when they're in their teens and twenties will eventually figure out that it's always best uh, to talk to someone way smarter than you about a topic you want to know about or want to learn about. Uh, and in my conversations with Luke, uh, I was just I sat there with a, with like a little like a, a kid listening to a professor. You know, I'm just kind of like, wow, what, what it does? What they can do this? They can take that and it's out of their system and what? So and, and there'll be much more coming up uh, during next week's Holy Smokes podcast. But the amount of information that that he shares with me uh, that I can cross reference with other people that actually syncs up is mind blowing. It just goes to show you, no matter how much I know, like he was actually impressed with some of the stuff that I knew. It, no, like this guy here is an absolute genius, and the fact when he when he told me that stuff about John and potentially what could happen, I was just kind of like, oh my goodness, like maybe I do have to stop giving 
people the benefit of the doubt because it, it could be the good guy in me. I'm always looking at people. Uh, you know, people make mistakes and stuff like that. But good guy in you. <laughs> or the Canadian in me? What about that? What are you saying? I'm a bad guy? Come on now. I used to think all Canadians were polite until I saw them drive. Oh, Toronto driving. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not only that, the guy that picked me up, our driver from the airport, almost wrecked us three or four times texting and driving. Shocker. Yeah. In Toronto. Yeah. Like, you can't do that out here in the boonies, much less Toronto. No, it's, it's – yeah. Well, you can pick out a driver nowadays. You know they're on their phone as you're pulling up to them. You just get off the phone, dude. Yeah. Or map. Like, just come on, right? So – uh, no, I hear you. I hear you. It's just it's it's the way society is right now, right? People are texting and driving. Very very dangerous, man. That one text or one call could be a big mistake. Um, you didn't get into the Ronda Rousey transitioning uh, to the WWE. What do you have on that? So uh, Lazy the Savage, who many of you all know from Middle Easy fame, uh, Michael Mardonis, he is basically Ronda Rousey's personal photographer. And about a month and a half ago, right before I uh, released the story. Breaking the news that Ronda Rousey was training as a pro wrestler, he had put out some photos of Jessamine Duke and Shayna Baszler, and they were training at the Santino Brothers Wrestling School, tagged and everything in the location. This weekend, I don't know if it was, I don't think it was meant as a teaser or anything, but it's well known that she's involved in a wrestling angle. She's been on screen with the Mae Young Classic stuff. She has challenged the four horsewomen on programming, but they showed her leaning on a set of ropes after that some would say boring women's title fight, and it said, do you miss her yet? And the ropes that she were leaning, was leaning on were the same ropes. They're really identifiable because they're candy caned. They're wrapped with okay. tape in a candy cane manner, and yeah, it was at the Santino Brothers Wrestling School. And this, so I don't know if she's been going there regularly. I've been trying to find out. Things have been very, very quiet, but this photo was taken before I even broke the news. Now we had people there were there were you know a lot of people that were saying I had somebody that argued with me saying oh, and this is the limit of pro wrestling we'll talk about today but saying Shayna Baszler's not experienced as a pro wrestler and I'm like you should probably familiarize yourself with Billy Robinson and Josh Barnett before you say that because she was taking back bumps as as a pro wrestler before most of the women in this tournament could even legally rent an apartment on their own and Shayna Baszler, Marina Shafir, both made that transition to Josh Barnett's school. And, I mean, I don't know who you all think that Shayna Baszler was working with when she went home, but she lives with Jessamyn Duke. Also, if there's one style that I think, outside of catch wrestling, that would transition best to pro wrestling, it's high-level judo. Because there are things that Ronda Rousey is going to be able to throw at people that We've never seen in pro wrestling before, which I think is very cool. I mean, she <laughs> submitted Kat Zingano with an armbar that has never been utilized in the UFC before. Like, on the fly, was able to yep. do that. Uh, she transitioned on the fly, went into judo mode, don't get my back on the bat, and, and was able to do that. I think whether it's a Lesnar schedule, no matter what it is, uh, are these girls getting a special opportunity handed to them on a platter? Oh, hell yeah, they are. A very, very special one. But I remember back in, I think it was 2011, 2012, I went to watch my trainer, Sean Asher, who later fought in Bellator, compete on a local show. And there was this six-foot-tall girl throwing head kicks at people. 
And she had this great look, and it was Jessamine Duke. And I was like, that night, uh-huh. I was like, I would love to see you in a pro wrestling ring. I would love to see how that would work out. And obviously, she had other plans at that point. But that was something that, that I always wanted to see. Baszler had the Billy Robinson connection with my school. So always wanted to see what. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. She could accomplish Marina Shafir, now engaged to an NXT wrestler. You got that. And then, of course, Ronda Rousey is the piece that brings it all together. Because with no Ronda Rousey, who knows if these three girls are getting the chance that they're getting. So... I'm excited to see how it played out, and I think you all will be surprised by their transitions. That being said, Shayna Baszler's the only one I've ever seen in a pro wrestling ring working. So maybe they'll be dog shit for all I know. But I think that given their styles, <laughs> given their history, it'll it'll make for a pretty decent transition. Well, a bunch of valid points and some really good nuggets of information that you shared there. But I only want to pull out one for the moment because for the from a mixed martial arts perspective, pull that nugget out, Joe. You mentioned a potential Lesnar schedule for Ronda Rousey. Would yeah. you be happy with a potential Lesnar schedule for Ronda Rousey where she competes in MMA once a year or once every so often and, and once every so often in the WWE? I think the UFC would be happy with a Lesnar schedule because I don't think she'll ever, you know, well, somebody said you can close the book on Ronda Rousey's MMA career, and I said, no, you can't. I was like, Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> She just maybe she decides she wants five million dollars one day. Okay, we'll take an MMA fight. That that can happen to her. She could still do that, and she could still make a lot of money doing it. I see if 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 all goes well. Because here was the thing, Joe. They recommended her to Brian Kendrick, who is a WWE wrestler. That's who they sent Eva Marie, a girl who was on Total Divas to. So uh, they they did that in hopes that she would take to it well, and then they would they would do something. Because from what I understand, there were no real plans initially. And then I guess she gave the thumbs up, Brian Kendrick gave the thumbs up, and they're running this angle now. So that's good. Because they had filmed stuff not knowing, I think, if there were any solid plans. I can't say that for sure, sure but that's the impression I was given. I think Ronda Rousey can take to this well. Ultimately, or at the beginning, Joe, it's that no experience over bad experience thing that she's going to have to overcome because people will say, she's only here because she got beat out of the UFC. Well, guys, usually when people leave the UFC, it's because they get beat out of the UFC. It's not <laughs> very It's very rarely a John Jones or GSP situation. Absolutely. Uh, you are correct. Uh, the live chat degraded all by itself into OSP and HUA, which we will touch on in a, in a week or so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're awesome. Uh, by the way, thank you to all of you hardcore, um, you know, almost vintage, fightful, uh, faithful watchers, listeners, uh, and supporters. We thank you very much. Don't forget to tell a friend. Uh, we continue to grow this site. Uh, hands down, one of the best out there, if not the best, because of the crossover appeal of so many of these stories between Sean, myself, Carlos Toro, Jimmy Van. Um, it is, it's, I mean, even I go crazy when I visit the site. Start, like, there was, there has been no bigger crossover period 
between the three entertainment forms and Jimmy was like it's it's so f- crazy how that worked out like you know usually it's it's the list and your boy Wednesdays at 3 where we go into the behind the scenes stuff but I remember like pushing the tech team who are great by the way and pushing Lindsay who who works at the office I'm like we got to get something some semblance of a site up before UFC 200 because this is why we're doing it this is why Brock Lesnar is why we do this. And then you got Conor McGregor talking trash about WWE fighters. Then you got Bobby Lashley continuing to take fights. You got Brock Lesnar jumping back and forth. Oh, is he going to be there? Is he not going to be in the UFC? You got Conor McGregor boxing. You've got all this stuff. You got Ronda Rousey jumping back and forth. Shayna Baszler's success. Matt Riddle, of all the people in the world, all the MMA fighters in the world, Matt Riddle becoming one of the hottest things in independent wrestling. That's weird, man. That's weird how well that worked. Like, you just never know who is going to make it click. Because, Joe, we've said this before. A lot of people would have said, well, King Mo or Rampage, they'd be the ones. Not yeah, necessarily. you're right. Uh, King Mo's wrestling, by the way, at Bound for Glory in November. We'll have that to talk about. Uh, Dan Lambert and... Uh, his team, they got an angle going on Global Force Wrestling right now that I hear is very good, and I got to catch up on. So, <clears throat> interesting. I haven't seen Dan Lambert at any of the uh, Titan shows unless he's hiding in the wings, but uh, he doesn't come out to them. I'm upset. I want to talk yeah. to him. Uh, regardless, uh, a couple things I want to touch on before we move on to the UFC Pittsburgh stuff. Um, Jeremy Stevens says he wants to fight Jose Aldo. Now, based on the performance, uh, are we buying too much into this victory um, over Gilbert Melendez? Or are you okay with the fight with Jeremy Stevens taking on Jose Aldo? It's just not going to happen anytime soon because, you know, JS is getting married. So, got to wait. Well, you never know what Jose Aldo is going to do on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute basis. If you would have asked me before this fight, I would have said no chance in hell, no way. But this is a fair fight. I think it's a fair fight to book, honestly. Like, you put this as a co-main event on a UFC pay-per-view or have it headline UFC on Fox, not too bad. Because while Jeremy Stevens, I, I think that he did put himself up in the, the top 15 discussion with this performance. Over Gilbert Melendez, you know how I feel about that, Joe. But, I mean... I think it's it's more of a thing for Aldo than it is for Stevens. I think it's the right fight to give Aldo, not to give Stevens. Like, Stevens, I don't think, earned a fight against Jose Aldo by, by winning this fight. But I think it's a smart way to put Jose Aldo back in the mix. Because what are you going to do? You're going to have him fight uh, Edgar, or you're going to have him fight... I mean, you could have him fight Swanson. That'd be an awesome fight. That would be... You give me Cub Swanson, Jose Aldo, too... Signing up for that all day. But like I said, given Jose Aldo's history, like I wonder what kind of mentality he'll be in for something like that. Ideally, I would like a Jose Aldo fighting Brian Ortega or uh, Cub Swanson. I, I know some people would say Korean Zombie. I don't. Korean Zombie doesn't need to be near him. But uh, <laughs> one of those two. I don't think Yair Rodriguez needs to be anywhere near him either. Yair isn't ready for that. Ortega, Swanson, but if that can't work, sure, why not? 
Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, Roy Soria in the live chat saying, Aldo is lost. Yeah. I, I understand that. It just feels like Jose Aldo is lost. It's just like, what's what's happening here? What's what's going on with you, dude? Like, don't you want to be? Or have you made that much money where you don't need to fight and we don't know about it? Because by the sounds of it, you, ha- you, you haven't made as much money as, as we would assume you have. And I'm sure you could be making a lot more. And I've said it before about Aldo. I've said it before about um, Hannah Barrow and so many other mixed martial arts. They don't realize it, Sean, and everyone tuned in right now and listening later. They don't realize it until their career comes to an end. And they look back and it's like, damn it. Should have fought more, should have did this more, should have did this appearance, should have never turned this down. You only have so much time to maximize that brand. That's why I love the hustle of Elias Theodoro, man. That, that that guy there doesn't stop. You know, He just keeps going, keeps going, and tries to just branch out with other opportunities because you never know when the fight career is going to come to an end. Now, Jose Aldo was a champion in the UFC, totally get it. But right now, I, I agree. It's like, what? He's lost. Yeah. Yeah, he's got to decide what he wants. He every every month it's something different. Like he he wants to fight. He doesn't want to fight. Then he wants to box. Then he wants to play soccer. Then he wants to uh, start doing like a trapeze act. I never know what the guy wants to do, and that's okay to want to do several different things. That's what got you know in my line of work. That's what got me where I am, being able to do video and audio and writing and podcasting. Like you you want to be versatile. But with him, he never commits to anything. Fighting, kind of, but he doesn't even do that like very actively. He used to, but he hasn't fought more than twice in a year since 2014. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where he goes. Do you think? Um, do you buy the argument? Do you buy the analogy that you know Cajun was Cajun Johnson was punished and dropped down to the prelims and? This is where you're because you know he's outspoken. He's called out the UFC and a bunch of stuff he disagrees with. Uh, I I could definitely buy it. I could, but I think had he never said anything, that's where he was going to be anyway. You could make the argument, well, he's it was his third win in a row and stuff, but like he's he's not an exciting fighter. He's just not. We we found that out the other night. Despite the knockout, he's just not an exciting fighter. Uh, Alex White, Mitch Clark was exciting. Rich Glenn, or Rick Glenn, uh, Gavin Tucker, exciting. Morris, Evan Smith, exciting. Vieira, McMahon, exciting. You ain't putting him above uh, Stevens and Melendez. You ain't putting him on the main card. So what? He's supposed to be above these these other people? No, I don't see. He was put on the card where he probably belonged. Below the UFC's first ever Indian fighter. Below a bunch of fights you knew were probably going to be very good or featured people. That 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 had contended for titles and things like that before. I th- do I think it the things that he said helped? No, but if it were any other name, I think they would have got the same position with the same skill set as him. <laughs> Vinny Fernando goes back to to Aldo saying, "Trying to make fun of the guy who slept you in 13 seconds. Good yeah. job, Aldo." Vinny's right. Vinny's right. You uh, that I, you you asked me. I think you sent me that that tweet. Uh, that Aldo put out there after McGregor lost to uh, Mayweather. I'm like, dude. Bad look. Why? 
Why would you do that? Anyway, you're talking about exciting, uh, potentially exciting fights that were on um, last Saturday's card. Well, this Saturday, uh, we have a card going down in Pittsburgh that's got some pretty exciting fights. Uh, not many people are talking about them, but there's some exciting fights. It's the return of Luke Rockhold uh, versus David Branch uh, in the main event. Uh, this is a fight I'm looking forward to. I'm obviously looking forward to Kamaru Usman uh, and Sergio Moraes. Kamaro's my my uh, my my sidekick at Titan FC event, so I'm definitely looking forward to that one there. When Hector Lumberd's on this card, Thiago Alves in the co-main event taking well, on Mike Ferry. What if I fought Kamaro Usman? Who are you cheering for? I would hope are... me because I need all the support I can get in that no, situation. That's a, that's a fight where two of my boys got to get paid. I'll just sit there and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I'll need a lot more than getting paid after that fight. Um, you can run. Dave Branch, man, the guy doesn't lose anymore. He just doesn't seem to lose anymore. Beating guys that are UFC caliber. Now, Paulo Filo, that was a little bit removed, but Dustin Jacoby was off his UFC run. Jesse Taylor, he's in the UFC now. Yushin Okami, like there were people who, he's probably still, they put him in the UFCs, winning a couple fights. Vinny Magalhaes, yep, and he beat Jocko. Now, that fight wasn't very good, which made me very surprised at the fact that they gave, yeah. they gave, him this fight with Rockhold, but verbally, man, Branch is putting it to Luke Rockhold. Like, I didn't know David Branch had this in him. <laughs> Damn, man. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good. I'm impressed. I'm you look, impressed. You, you look at Dave Branch's three losses, Anthony Rumble Johnson, Husamar Pajares, Gerald Harris. You're, you're just going to experience that in your career. And he was very, very young was very much just a straight jiu-jitsu guy back then, especially with the Gerald Harris loss and the Husamar Paul Harris loss. I guarantee you, if Luke Rockhold uh, tries to lift up David Branch, he's not going to hold a standing guard. Like, that ain't going to happen anymore. That's the type of mistake a guy makes two and a half years into his career. So uh, that ain't happening. This guy took punches from Rumble Johnson for three rounds, and he's a middleweight. Absolutely. He's also tied for the biggest dog, or sorry, or for the second biggest dog on this card. He's a plus 360 underdog against a massive Luke Rockhold, who's a minus 450 favorite. It's a weird sort of line, seeing as Luke Rockhold hasn't competed in how long, right? He's been sidelined. We're we're still looking for a betting line sponsor, Bovada. Get at us, people. Come on. You get at these lines brought to you by. Just saying. And just saying, you know, there's a there's a Friday video that comes out all the time on Fightful, a uh, certain bald-headed host that breaks down the lines, gives you your top five yeah. fun bets, whatever, Luke Rockhold, David Branch, who wins and why and how? Probably Luke Rockhold, but because he's very, co- I think he's competent enough on the ground to keep himself from getting submitted, but... That layoff, man, that's something that I wonder about when you fought one time since the beginning of 2016. Like, it's it's been a while. It's been a while. And I I would have liked Rockhold to have stayed more active, but his camp, they, they get hurt a lot there. They get hurt a lot there. So we'll see. I hope I hope this, this encourages him to stay more active. He's very dynamic on the feet, like that performance against Jacare in Strike Force is still one of my favorite performances in MMA history. Like that was just so impressive because there weren't a lot of people giving Rockhold much of a chance going into that fight. Like a lot of people thought it was gonna be a day at the par, a picnic for 
for Jacare, it wasn't. And he's he's shown that like outside of a, a, you know had they did they do Bisping Rockhold ten times, I'm I'm probably saying that Rockhold's gonna win seven or eight of them. They do Vitor off of TRT and Rockhold ten times. I'm saying Rockhold probably win seven or eight of those too. That's not the way the cookie crumbled for him, but this is this is his opportunity to show that he belongs right there. Because if he wins, he is right there, ready for a middleweight title shot. Ready. Well, you know, the minute you know, if he should he emerge victorious on Saturday, when he gets in front of that microphone, when he gets interviewed, you know exactly what's going to happen. He's, he's going to rip everybody. Everybody's yeah. going to rip apart Bisping. He's going to rip apart GSP. Uh, he's going to tell Whitaker uh, to defend that title. I mean, it's going to be insane. Yep. Man, there, there's so many. Look up and down the, the, the titles right now. you got Amanda Nunez out to 2018. Stephen Miocic in a contract dispute with the UFC. John Jones, who knows when he'll be back. Robert Whitaker out till next year. Tyron Woodley out for a long time. Nobody knows when Conor McGregor's coming back. Uh, Cody Garbrandt, I'll, I'll be surprised if he makes it to that fight. Uh, Chris Cyborg, hopefully we can get her a fight soon, but man, those are the breaks. Cause I will explain how I got the showdown nickname uh, towards the end of the show once we're done this uh, Pittsburgh breakdown here. Mike Perry, Tiago Alves. Uh, Perry, in the co- this is the co-main event, guys, minus 145. He is the favorite uh, heading into this fight with Tiago Alves. I think that line should be – I mean, Tiago is a plus 25. I think that line should be spread apart a bit more. Perry, more of a favorite. Agree or disagree? I agree, and this is a hell of a fight. By the way, a fun little stat. Brock Lesnar has fought more re- recently in the UFC than Luke Rockhold, as has Misha Tate. That's <laughs> that's kind of telling. Um, I love this fight, man, and Alves has had a lot to worry about. He just popped out of Hurricane Irma and was sticking by his house and stuff. Alves, that dude, like I, if he would have lost to Patrick Cote, he'd probably get in his walking papers. He tried to cut to lightweight. It did not work, and he got beat while he tried to do it. This is a guy who used to put on just like great fights, dominant performances, used to just obliterate guys. Now you don't see it as much anymore. He's got one finish in the last six years. And this is a fight that if it doesn't get finished, you know they're going to be slugging it out. You know they are. That's Mike Perry. Mike Perry showed up in the UFC a year ago. And is already a guy that if you put him on a pay-per-view card, you're like, well, there you go. Mike Perry's on the show. Like, Mike Perry can fight anybody, and it's worthy of being on, on that level. By the way, can't wait for the inevitable Donald Cerrone versus Mike Perry fight. That's, that's, <laughs> one, to, that's one to watch. Uh, yeah, I think Guaranteed, Mike, yeah. I think they're at different points of their career. Mike Perry's on the way up. Tiago Alves on the way down. Yeah, hundred percent. That, that's why I'm thinking this. The spread here should be a little, little bit wider. Um, that's what it is right now. And as we mentioned uh, during last week's uh, Holy Smokes podcast, uh, we talked about Tyson Pedro taking on Ilo Latifi. We both thought Tyson Pedro was going to emerge victorious, and he was the underdog uh, in that fight. And as the fight got closer, he became the favorite. Mm-hmm. So apparently, people do watch our show, Sean, and uh, put some money down. Oops. 
Tyson bad. Pedro, uh, like like we said, that was promising though. He needed he needed to be dragged into deep waters. Yeah. And so it's a learning experience, and he'll, he'll, he'll only get better from there. Anthony Smith taking on Hector Lombard, uh, a much closer fight here. Um, yeah, Lombard, you know, he hasn't been the greatest as of late, but um, this line is beginning to close, believe it or not. I mean, your, your take on Anthony Smith taking on Hector Lombard. What's the line right now? Pl- uh, minus 120 for Anthony Smith, plus 100. So pretty much pick him. Yeah, I think that Anthony Smith should probably move up in those lines a little bit. Isn't it weird to think that... It's been over five years since Lombard's been in the UFC. Yeah. Because, I mean, he was one of the first guys that UFC took from Bellator after he went like 31-2-1 and with a no contest. And they put him up against Boach, and he just never UFC recovered. UFC Calgary. I yeah. was there for that, yeah. I mean, he kind of recovered for a little bit between 2013 to 2015, but when he popped, it's like that was it for him. That was it for him. Lost to Magny, lost to Hendricks, lost to uh, Henderson. They didn't do him any favors with the matchups, for sure. Like, I mean, they've they've even when your easy fights are Nate Marquardt, Jake Shields, and Josh Berkman, and people like that. Like, those are your easy fights. That's still kind of rough. Every single guy that he's fought has some sort of resume about them. Anthony Smith is really the first that that hasn't, and he's won three out of his four fights in the UFC. This is much like the the fight that that preceded it that we previewed. One guy on the way up, one guy on the way down, because Anthony Smith has looked really, really good. And that's a a career renaissance that I didn't expect to see after his strike force, UFC, and VFC runs. Where he got bounced, and then he he got very lucky to get a shot in Bellator in 2014. And since then, Anthony Smith has looked really, really good. Yeah. uh, Speaking of guys who look good, Gregor Gillespie, uh, he's taking on Jason Gonzalez. It's almost like these lines are saying Gonzalez shouldn't even show up. He's a plus 345 favorite, minus 430 for Gregor Gillespie. Well, we've not seen any real signs of weakness out of Gillespie yet. And when when that happens, the lines are gonna are gonna favor him. A slight experience advantage for for Jason Gonzalez. I mean, I remember that the beautiful that Bravo choke that he landed in January. That was really cool. But I mean, Gregor Gillespie is is a guy I could see man really big things out of if he continues to improve at the rate in which he has thus far because. The, the leaps between his, his fight in September and his fight in April, I thought, were, were major. And not only that, Joe, he was doing that in front of a hometown crowd. And as you have learned, speaking to people, like that that can sometimes be a curse. And he stepped in there into Buffalo, took 20 seconds, made an extra 50 grand. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I, there's another site that has him as a minus 500, but we can't name that site, Sean, because they're not sponsoring our show. I ain't uh, giving him minus 500. I'm not giving anybody minus 500 in the UFC. Never do that. Not in this lifetime. Um, the biggest favorite on this card is Kamaru Usman taking on uh, Sergio Morales. Your biggest I think favorite. <laughs> minus 600 to Sergio's plus 450. Wow. There's some people that are loving Kamara Usman. He's moving up the ranks, man. He, he told me, look, he goes, I know Sergio's a tough fight, but I got to teach this boy a lesson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A couple of guys who have just red hot. And the fact that Kamara Usman is such a big favorite, 
I mean, Maurice yeah. beat Neil Magny. Now, it's before Neil Magny was Neil Magny. But, what is it? Seven fights, zero losses since, like, in the last five years for uh, Sergio Marais. Uh That's, you can't say enough about that. Like, in that UFC division, which is so up and down, up and down, up and down, and all over the place. But make no mistake, this is Marias' biggest test that he has ever faced. And at 35, it's now or never for him. Kamaru Usman, 29 years old, he gets beaten. It's not the end of the world for him. He gets beaten, he can still look back and say, well, you know, I'm 5-1 in my last six fights. Won the, the Ultimate Fighter 21. But what, what I think more than anything Kamaru needs, I think a finish would go a long way. Because his last four fights, it's almost like Joe. These UFC fighters get around you, and they don't want to finish fights anymore. I don't oh, know. Oh, come it on! Is. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Oh, it's hilarious. Elias it's hilarious. and Kamaru, if they were booked against each other tomorrow, they would stare at each other and talk about you. Like that's what they would do for <laughs> the, the three rounds. That's what's going on oh, here. That's terrible. It's, it's the showdown, Joe curse. Oh, here we I'm go. I'm just no. saying. I'm just saying. Matt Riddle gets a podcast with me. He beats Trent Seven in about six seconds and win, wins a championship. That, that's what happens. They associate... Your boy Bernardi is going to have to work an open-to-close shift next week just because he talked to you. That's what's going to happen. Uh, Luke, you are a horrible human being. <laughs> I've just decided that. Um, in all seriousness, there are two Canadians on this card, by the way. Olivia Obi-Messier taking on uh, Tony Martin and kicking off the UFC prelims would be Jason Sago taking on Gilbert Burns. That's a sick fight. Unfortunately, it's on the UFC Fight Pass uh, for those that don't have it. Also on this card, though, is Uriah Hall and Christoph Jocko. And these two guys are on the Fox prelims as the second fight. How in the, hell, can- how in the hell is Uriah Hall still ranked? I get the Musashi win and all that stuff. Yeah. He's a guy who I feel like on any given night could beat anybody in that division. Anytime he's in the cage with anybody, I feel like if he pulls that trigger, he could do it. Like there's a lot of, you know, the the Chael Sun and Blowing Smoke stuff. I believe he was 100% sincere when he looked at Uriah Hall and he said, "You're a contender not to win this, to win the title. You're a contender right now." I believe Chael Sonnen when he said that. Put it if if Uriah Hall can't beat Jotko, and and that's you know Jotko is I'm not like saying that he's not worthy or anything. He's a fantastic fighter, worthy of his top fifteen ranking. Then Uriah Hall should be nowhere near the top fifteen rankings. Get him the hell out of there. Get him the hell out of there. Also, uh, a WWE connection. Becky Lynch's boyfriend Luke Sanders, who I thought looked very good in a loss uh, last go around. He's on the show too, so I'll be looking to see how he performs after his first career loss, and you know some of the some of the gaffes he made back in March. Doesn't have an easy fight in Narantes, so good for no, him. It's going to be a good scrap. Good scrap. Um, I thought that booking was was a good one too. Like Arantes is very inconsistent, but you know he's he's just he's one of those guys who can also compete with almost anybody from five down in the division. So that, that'll be a really good fight. And, I mean, he's been going at it lately. So that's good. Absolutely. Anything else you'd like to talk about? 
Uh, let's see, what else do we got on this show? The late replacement, is it Justin Lede? It's a heavyweight fight. Two probably, heavyweight fights here, yep. Probably be exciting. Hey, put down 10 on his opponent because it's heavyweight MMA. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you, you just know. never know. Uh, you just never know. He, he's fresh off of the Dana White Contender Series. And, and Anthony Hamilton versus Daniel Spitz. I'm always keeping a close eye on these heavyweight fights, Joe, because you just never know who will be the next Derek Lewis who emerges out of nowhere, honestly. Like, that that can happen. Now you mentioned the Contender Series. Uh, someone earlier on uh, on the live chat said, oh, hey, it was uh, – nope, that's Matt Cause. Matt Cause, I'll get to your question in a moment here. But someone had said uh, when, when I was talking about me going back to uh, – potentially promoting MMA or, or being a promoter here. And someone had mentioned, don't do it, Joe. Dana already stole your Contender Series idea. I'm not saying Dana stole my Contender Series idea. There was an idea similar yeah. that was pitched that all of a sudden happened. And not the first time that's happened with the UFC. Or uh, I almost sent you something, Sean, the other day of, of certain websites that are out there. Other, uh, I guess you can call them our competitors, uh, that have basically taken my old TV show and done weekly articles on each one of those segments and are calling it like it's their own. And I'm like, you're a freaking Canadian doing that. Whatever. Anyways, um, I was asked by Matt Cause earlier on where the showdown thing came from. Well, 17 years ago, um, I used to own a company. How I got my start in MMA uh, was basically because – I, I, my, my body couldn't hold up a training camp. I wasn't able to turn professional as a fighter. That's all I ever wanted to do was be a professional fighter. But I spent a fair amount of time off the mats healing or out of the ring because um, we didn't have cages back then. We would fight in a ring. Uh, spent more time healing than I was um, competing and training. So I figured out I've got to figure. I'm getting older, and I got to figure out a way to stay in this game. Uh, and I was introduced uh, to someone, and, and we come up with a clothing line. And the clothing line was basically called Showdown Fightwear which spawned a, an equipment line, Showdown Boxing uh, and Muay Thai. So we had all this stuff whenever we would go to MMA events or grappling events. You'd come over to our booth, uh, and we'd have anything and everything. We'd be, a, we'd be a, a, a walking store. Anywhere we went, we had everything. You had shirts, shorts, gloves, wraps, uh, headgear, whatever. Uh, and it got to a point where people were like, uh, I need to buy a shirt. I need to buy gear, blah, blah, blah. And somebody would say, well, just go see Joe. And they would point. And like, Joe who? And then they'd see the big banner, Showdown Joe. Go see Showdown Joe. And people started calling me Showdown Joe from there. Uh, and it just took off. Nobody would call me Joe anymore. They would call me Showdown. Everything was Showdown, Showdown, Showdown. And then people kept calling me Showdown Joe over and over. So I just stuck with it. I'm like, if that's what people want to refer me as, because Joe is a fairly common name, the average Joe. How do I separate myself from the average Joe? Well, make it Showdown Joe. So it just stuck. Uh, it's been 17 years now that people have been calling me that, amongst other things. So, yeah, cool. Among other things. Ain't Correct. Ain't that the truth? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Call me whatever you want. I'm all cool. Interesting story. Interesting. Yeah. Also, uh, I failed to mention a couple of things to look out for on this show. Tony Martin, another one of those guys who's had a career renaissance. I was surprised the UFC hung on to him in 2015 after he lost to Leonardo Santos. He had been he was one and three in the UFC at that point, and in his win, uh, it, both fighters missed weight. I think it was uh, more of an agreement than both missing weight. But he's won three in a row since then, including two this year. So a third win this year that that'd be pretty impressive. At twenty seven, still a lot of promise out of him. And Anthony Hamilton, as I mentioned, he loses. I got to imagine he's gone. Um, yep. 
One more thing I wanted to talk about. Bobby Lashley, right now he's running this angle in Impact Wrestling where where Lambert wants him to commit to MMA, and he's on the fence. He said this year, if he comes back, he wants to fight either Fedor or fight for the title. Normally, I would say... Well, yeah. Normally, yeah. I would say that's unreasonable. And then I go and I look at his record. For better or for worse, these are the guys he's getting matched up with, and he ain't losing fights, Joe. And I mean, Fedor got beaten by all indica- by all all fairness by Fabio Maldonado. Um, you got Lashley five and zero in, in Bellator right now. I I don't disagree with him. I mean, sure, why not? If you if you've got him there, he said he doesn't want to fight Czech Congo because he knows it'll be boring though. <laughs> That's terrible. Not if you take him down, beat him. Well, that's what he said. He's like, I know it'll just be, be me taking him down and beating on him. He said he wants something more exciting, and I'm like, that's the kind of fight you should want. It's a big, but see, at this point, Chet Congo's in the in the Rashad Evans boat. Like, we were fooled by the Pat Barry fight, but at this point, nobody's spending money on you again. Nobody Correct. is ever spending money on you again. I mean, by all by all means, keep making that money, Chet Congo. Very nice guy, great dude, but uh, ain't nobody paying to see you anymore. Another guy that was throwing kicks back in the day. I don't know if I mentioned his name, but uh, yeah, he hit me. Rude. He's huge. He's, He's a huge. big dude. All, when you say nice guy, big time. Like just just mm-hmm. an absolute gentleman. So we had some laughs. He's a really That's good a, guy. What What are they even doing? Like you can't just randomly say, "Hey guys, this heavyweight fight we're doing, it's going to be for the title." Just go ahead. Why not? Why not? <laughs> what point. is What is keeping you from doing it? You got like Augusto Sakai and Chet Congo and Bobby Lashley. Out there, just twiddling their thumbs for nothing. Like, what's the point? You all could. I mean, they could have made the Fedor Mitrion fight a heavyweight title fight, and nobody would have been like, "Well, somebody would have been," because people bitch about anything. But I don't think it would have been that big of an issue. I wanted to ask you actually during Cejudo's post-fight interview, he mentioned spending time with the. Uh, of course, he did. Yeah. I always I jumped off my couch. I'm like, Sean Ross Sapp's going to lose his marbles. A like, main event him. in any gym in America. Am I right? As long as Bellator promotes it. Oh, my goodness. But yeah, kudos to him for saying that, though. I mean, if, if they helped him. Yeah, I mean, the Pitbull brothers are good fighters. I just don't think they should headline every other month in Bellator. I don't. like. And it's happened. I think it got one this month, too. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure Patricky is headlining a show this month. I'm going to look right now. Yeah. Yeah, he's fighting uh, Ben Henderson in the headliner of Bellator 183. Then at Bellator 180-something, uh, 188, it's Pitbull versus Weichel. i, I got to say, though, now, Bellator's been very, very quiet lately. Like, we... Yeah. They had the 182 show that was Koreshkov and Angel Kawani. Meh. They had the 181 show that was headlined by Campos and Gertz. And Huge. other th- since since June, that's all they've had. So July, August, September, it was quiet. I gotta say, up and co- upcoming, it's looking a lot different, Joe. Uh, September 23rd, Henderson versus Patricky Pitbull. Uh, Javi Ayala and Roy Nelson, Paul Daly, Lorenz Larkin. You got Aaron Pico looking to do some stuff there. Fernando Gonzalez on the prelims, but the the box the kickboxing card 
has Joe Schilling and Jarena Bars on it. That's also very good. Then, Bellator 184, you got uh, Dantes versus Caldwell for the title. Fine by that. But I don't even think that should be standalone. So what they did, they put Sanchez, Daniel Strauss. Good fight there. Pat Curran on the show against John Teixeira. Good fight. Joe Timanglo, who not a big fan of, but has shown he can beat almost anybody in the division, also on the show. Then, October, Gegard Musashi versus Alexander Shlomenko. Good fight. Good fight. Lawal versus Liam McGeary. Boring fight, but a high-level fight. Also, you think it's ha- going to be boring? Oh, those two? Give me a break. <laughs> Go on I think now. it's going to be exciting. We'll see. I think, right. I think King Mo's going to try to turn into... Like Roger Mayweather or something like that, because he thinks he's he thinks he's a Mayweather. But uh, Heather Hardy on that show, Heather Hardy, who I Man. can't say enough good things about. I think that had she found combat sports ten years ago, we'd be talking about her instead of Ronda Rousey. I really do. Rich. Then uh, Bellator in November, Ryan Bader versus Linton Vassell for the title. That's a good one. But you're you're loading up those prelims. You got Ed Ruth, Phil Davis, Zach Freeman. Syeda, uh, Freeman versus Syed Awad. Logical next step to take for Zach Freeman, I think. Very smart booking. Then you got the, the Pitbull main event. They, they're they they're doing it the right way. The right, the way that I've sat there and said, Why, how can't you do this? You have all these names. You have all these people at your disposal. Use some of them. Load up these shows. It doesn't have to be Fedor and Chael, Chael Sonnen and Vanderlei. Load him up with familiar or interesting names. I'll watch, and I'm going to watch every single one of those shows that I mentioned. Absolutely, uh, lots more to come from uh, from Sean and I this week. Uh, a couple of articles from yours truly will be written, uh, and of course Friday I will have a fun bets video uh, talking about this UFC Pittsburgh card. I think with those videos, I'm going to just come up with my top five um, fun bets. Uh, Sean, kind I love of reiterate. Thank you. Uh, Sean mentioned, you know, putting down 10 bucks uh, on a heavyweight. You know, I'll, I'll show you how to put down 10 bucks uh, on a couple of different fights uh, and some props that you may not know of or haven't seen. Uh, and I like doing it for fun. I know, Sean, there are some crazies out there that have some coin that'll put a thousand bucks down on some of the stuff that I say. I'm like, you are nuts. Don't be blaming me if it doesn't come through because I've got times when I go four for five. I've got times I go zero oh for five. I think I've had a couple five for five. But you got that money you want to play around. If you were to go five for five uh, on my fun bets pieces, and you put a thousand dollars in each one of them, holy, you would be a very rich individual. So yeah, tune in Friday. Uh, I'll have much more, and uh, and of course, lots of stuff going to happen with Sean this week as well, or not. Uh, kind of. I <laughs> have prepared something like uh, 30, 35 pieces of content to release this week to help out Alex. Carlos has you all covered with Triple G Canelo stuff. We, of course, have live discussion of Rockhold versus Branch and that whole UFC Pittsburgh card. I have Carlos going solo for a Fightful Boxing podcast right after the Triple G Canelo fight. It really hurts me that I couldn't... you know. It, if I'm lucky, I can hop on there from Orlando, but who knows how that will work out, but I would really like to. Lots of stuff over at Fightful.com, and then things get just super busy. Like There are these these lulls, and then it gets crazy busy. Next weekend, uh, we got ROH, Death Before Dishonor, 15. Uh, UFC Fight Night Japan, which has Shogun versus OSP. It's got uh, Claudia Gadelia and Andrade. It's got Gokan Saki making his UFC debut. 
Uh, Formigas on that show. Like there are a lot of interesting uh, names to look at on on that show. And then we have WWE No Mercy, which is one of the most loaded, one of the most loaded wrestling shows in in like outside of WrestleMania in recent memory. You got Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman, Cena and Reigns, a big women's title match. Rollins and Ambrose defending their titles. Uh, Balor, Wyatt, Neville, Enzo. Lots of good stuff at Fightful.com. Come and join us. Uh, check out the podcast at FightfulPods.com. We want you all to be active in the comments section, either during the show or after the show. But yeah, of course, follow us at Fightful Online. Nice little tribe there. Appreciate that. Looking yeah, forward you know. to it. I hope you enjoy your time uh, with too. the missus. It's going to be uh, rainy. I'll enjoy my time with her. It's just... It sucks that it's going to rain. All, ever since it opened, she's been a Harry Potter fan forever and ever and ever. And when we go out and we get active and stuff, a lot of the stuff we do is basically giant children stuff. Like <laughs> like I smoke her at go-kart racing or we go oh, rock climbing dude. or Come on. laser tag, mini golf, dodgeball, trampoline parks. That's the stuff we, that's the stuff we like to do and uh, it's kind of funny. I dominate my strength and conditioning coach at all this stuff, and it drives him nuts. Because at any <laughs> at anything that was worth a damn, he'd be able to beat me at. <laughs> but oh, something right? like something like laser tag, dodgeball, go karts, no chance. But uh, it's gonna rain, and I'm taking her to Harry Potter World. But I was like, you know what? I'll throw on a poncho and a hoodie, and I'll. Put a smile on my face, and we'll, we'll go do this. So, looking forward to that and uh, making something that she's wanted to happen for a long time uh, go well. Because I wanted to go to Toronto since I was like five or six, and she was feeling pretty tired after the Jays game, and she stayed out with me all night, and it was it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, looking forward to that. But uh, thank you for the well wishes. Hopefully, we can avoid any storm damage down there. Of course, absolutely. So I saw Lex McMahon post something on his Instagram uh, that everything is okay so far in, in South Florida, except for a bunch of trees that are in front of his driveway. Yeah. Uh, Jay-Z is talking to Jay-Z Cavalcante. He's nuts. He'd probably go surfing. I mean, he's just he's just like that. Uh, I haven't had a chance to catch up with Rumble Johnson yet, but I noticed that he's he's posting a bunch of stuff. So when I see my boys down there, I got to talk to Kamaru as well. But when I see all my friends down there, uh, that life is good despite what what happened. Because there, I was watching some of the stuff on television, Sean. There were streets that I've walked on in Miami that had you know two and a half, three feet of water. So, damn. Before we go. I got to tell you about this crazy poll that I'm seeing on UFC on Fox. If you're UFC's matchmaker, who would you have Amanda Nunes fight next after her third title defense at UFC 215? The options are Kat Zingano, Juliana Pena, Raquel Pennington, Valentina Shevchenko. Zingano is in second, just 5% at behind Valentina. Kat Zingano hasn't won a fight in three years and hasn't won since before Ronda Rousey. Since before then. How does that... The absence of experience versus bad experience. And she has had an absence of experience over the past year or so. And she beat Nunez, but that was three years ago. Stop the buffoonery! (laughs) There's your new t-shirt right there. Stop the buffoonery. 2017. (laughs) Anything else, Joe? Absolutely cool, man. Looking forward to getting a whole bunch of stuff done for the site. I'm very excited. But I do want to wish you and the missus an amazing time. Thank you very much. Guys, until next time, we're out.